Hello and welcome to Cannabis Nation, where we'll help guide you through the wonderful and complex world of cannabis by shedding light on your most burning questions and dankest desires. I'm Susan. And I'm Nick. And this is episode 28. It's going to be great. Yeah. We are going to share with you some news from North Carolina, learn about the history of the bong, and Uh share our personal experiences with said apparatus. However numerous and many there (laughs) might be, we'll pick the best. Yeah. I've got a really good one for you. Yeah. All right. Once again, here's a subject with so much there there that we are starting with the past, moving slightly into the now and saving the now into the future for a later episode. I hope I didn't lose anybody with that. (laughs) I'm a little lost, but that's all right. So, okay. first, please, Nick, tell us the news from the Carolinas. Yeah. So over in North Carolina, we're talking about medical marijuana legalization. What? 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 So funny that in our last episode, we told you about all those crazy things that the South Carolina state representatives are quoted saying about medical marijuana legalization in their state. Well, mean, uh, meanwhile, North the legislators in North Carolina are currently moving medical legislation responsibly and seemingly silently forward. You mean not a lot of chest banging and no, no, fist pounding? And yeah, not a lot of just absolute idiotic bullshit, bullshit statements. <laughs> like comparing cannabis to poison ivy. Yeah, right. <laughs> Slathering on your person. My yeah. God. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, the North Carolina State Senate on the 2nd of June gave a initial approval. Of this year, 2022, right? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Just a few days ago. Right. <laughs> gave initial pr- approval to a bill to legalize medical marijuana. <laughs> Just one day after clearing a key Senate committee that is chaired by the bill's sponsor, Senator Bill Rabon, mm-hmm. uh, the legislation passed the full chamber on second reading in a 35 to 10 vote. Wow, that is huge. Really, mm-hmm. really, the, the percentage of like, uh, your average vote is not that high yeah. for something or against something. Thing. Yeah, <gasps> I mean, it's... Sadness has just happened. Did you just break it? No, I didn't break it, but, you know, that was a good question, because I am famous for breaking <laughs> bongs. No, I just spilled the contents of the bowl out. That's oh, sad. no. That's okay. Do we need to take a quick five to fix that for no, you? No, no. Pro- God has smiled upon me, and it all came out, even though it's ground, you know, it all came out into little... Yeah. It, yeah. It's all good. The bowl okay. just fell out, and... Life's good. Okay. okay. <laughs> Onward and forward. Thank yeah. you. Sorry. Well, <laughs> back to North Carolina. I mean, it's another state. Uh, there are so few now oh. uh, of our great United States that have no form of medical right. or recreational legalization of marijuana. Yeah. Um, which is just another reason why it's absolutely insane that there is absolutely no federal... Uh, yeah. legalization uh, not even talking like and even well, the talking yeah, yeah even of the talking of it it's still just yeah. going back and forth back and forth back and forth like even about the banking act for god's sakes like we can't even get these people to so we can use credit cards like, i know it's stupid it's insane i mean uh senators that uh, whose states they represent have legal that have legalized cannabis yeah are still voting against it for the fe- for, for the, the nation fed. yeah I, so which I, is wild your constituents have decided yes 
yes, we want it. Exactly. See, that's what's important to note here is that they work for a constituency that overwhelmingly has approved cannabis in some Mm -hmm. form, being it recreational, medical or both. Right. And they still say no. So you're not representing your constituents. No. Who are you representing the illegal drug cartels? I mean, even that, (laughs) it's just. You guys get money. It's absolutely insane. Crazy um, yeah. I, well, it's it's clearly that, you know, certain uh, political parties mm-hmm. are not even representing the majority of their own party, but seemingly a very small, very loud portion mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. their party that that somehow speaks for the whole party, even though that's not what the the people actually believe it right and they are quoted as saying some really stupid things stupid 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 things things. but i will say that this senator bill rabon who is a Mm -hmm. republican from north carolina here is a man that is passionate about the issue he is sponsoring okay this is what he says and i i love this guy he says this bill is going to in my opinion help a lot of people at the end of their life at a time that they need some compassion. Thank you. Yeah. Rabon said on the floor ahead of the vote, he went as a quote at a time that what few days or what little time they have left should be as comfortable as easy as they can be. The senator who is a cancer survivor said I think it is our duty as lawmakers to pass legislation that helps people who need our help. That's nice. Isn't that nice? But it also is kind of ignoring that cannabis has a lot of medical uses well, other sure. than end of life. Well, that's well. Like, welcome to the Carolinas. Yeah. <laughs> how, about, how about we give it to people way before they get to end of no, life? No, how about no. we give it to people that, you know, we can keep their lives longer, possibly. better, like quality yeah. of life instead of just, you know, making them as comfortable as possible. You at know, the end. which is incredibly important. I'm yes. not belittling that. No, by I know. Any means. I know. However, I there is you. so much more to it. There is you so know, much but more to it. I guess we'll take what we can get with, you know, in uh, in the places that we don't expect to see uh, <laughs> much of the legislators really going for it. Right. Um, one or more vote on third reading will be required to formally send the measure to the House of Representatives for consideration. Now, that's a class act, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. that we... is a lot of a lot of bureaucratic red tape and stuff. Oh, I mean, my. it has to have. <laughs> one or more votes <laughs> on third, third reading, reading will before, be yeah, required <laughs> for consideration. For <laughs> We're not even talking. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. But you know what? Yeah. We'll keep rooting for them. Yeah. We wish the best for our fellow Americans in North Carolina and yep. all other citizens in this cannabis nation. Yes. And now Professor Potnick and I, Canisu, give you the history of the bomb. Bong, bong, bong. Absolutely beautiful. Now, if you're here, we're going to presume that you know what a bong is, but (laughs) just to cover all our bases in case we have some uh, canicurious non-users that want to step into the ring. That's a great, okay, canicurious, uh-oh. Can of curious. There you go. There we go. <laughs> uh, a bong, also known as a water pipe, is a smoking and filtration device that filters smoke through water before it is inhaled. 
A bong is a device used for smoking any number of herbs. Traditionally, those herbs consisted of one or more of a combination of cannabis and or opium. Uh, tobacco introduced later on as well. Yeah. Which I'm not going to call a fun in fact. I'm going to call a <laughs> fucked fact. Yeah, a fucked fact. You know, that... Uh, <laughs> was uh, brought into the Western world after being gifted to Christopher Columbus Tobacco. back in 1942. By the Native American Indians, just another thing that we uh, got from them and then smacked them back in the face. Okay, so this is really interesting to me that we actually have the date, according to Wikipedia, which is October 15th of 1492, that the Native Americans... So I'm assuming that's when he landed, you know, on and they gave like up here, like by Florida or something. Right. And um, they gifted it to him. So here you go. It's like these people show up at your house. They're uninvited. You mm-hmm. didn't know they were coming. Right. They brought. OK, three carloads, because you remember there's the Santa, the. See, the Nina, the Pinto, Pinto the Santa, Santa Maria, Maria yeah. right? Right. There's three ships. There was some damn good education that Nick's parents spent money for. So I, only, I only remember that it's because so of great. a school of rock. That's the only reason I actually remember that. <laughs> That's awesome. Great movie. So, great. So, um, so, yeah, they show up in three, three boatloads, right? And they're... And then, you know, they kind of were hospitable to him. You know, they fed him. They gave him tobacco. They gave him some gold. Big mistake. Because mm-hmm. these were the kind of people that were not going to leave. As a matter of fact, they enjoyed these products so much that they decided to rape, pillage, and plunder and steal as much of it as they could. And that included the people, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and for for generations and decades and centuries continuing on through today. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so real horrific stuff. But anyway, yeah, on to the bomb. Yeah, yeah. To uh, to really bring the mood down before we get into this fun <laughs> story. Uh, the word bong is yeah. adapted from the Thai word bong, spelled B-A-U-N-G. Uh, that is a complete guess on how it's pronounced, but yeah. I'm guessing that's. I mean, it's got to be similar to bong. I'd, I'd say. Yeah, I would think it. You're right. You know, some they could correct us if you know mm-hmm. somebody knows and we're wrong. Go ahead and correct us. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. So that word bong actually is a cylindrical tube, pipe, or container made from bamboo, mm-hmm. um, and also is used for the word of the smoking utensil, which were originally cylindrical tubes or pipes made from bamboo. Right. It is theorized that water filtration was introduced in the Ming Dynasty and spread to common use through the Silk Road. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. However... I know, this is so cool. Archaeological excavations have revealed to us that the first bongs came much earlier than that. Wow. Excavations of a Kurgan uh, in Russia in 2013 revealed that the Scythi- Scythian tribal mm-hmm. chiefs used gold vessels 2400 years ago gold yeah to smoke cannabis <laughs> and opium and opium cannabis and opium together in gold so yeah. that's 24000 that's 2400 years ago so you know damn well it's older than that if they were mm-hmm. making it out of gold yeah yeah they'd been <laughs> using them a while before they're like ooh let's make it freaking opulent Fancy, yeah so uh, the Kurgan was discovered when construction workers were clearing land for the construction of a power line. Right. And a Kurgan is a type of tumulus, which is a mound of earth and stones raised over a grave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And typically, like, 
they just are kind of discovering how many there are from, you know, because now we have space and satellites, which is really cool. And they can mm-hmm. see that these mounds of dirt aren't actually like mounds, rolling hills. No, no, no. These are these type of burial Giant mounds. burial mounds, yeah. yeah. So during the reign of Emperor Akbar in the mid-1500s, uh, physician Hakim Abul Fath uh, invented the water pipe in India and discovered tobacco. <laughs> Originally, they had smoked the tobacco straight, but he said uh, that the tobacco smoke was too harsh, so smoke should be first passed through a small receptacle of water so that it would be rendered harmless. Yes. yes Other sources also show harmless. evidence of the invention of the water pipe in China during the late Ming Dynasty along with tobacco through Persia and the Silk Road. There it is now, again. by the Qing Dynasty, it became the most popular me- method to smoke tobacco, mm. but became less popular since the Republic era. While typically employed by commoners, the water pipe is known to have been preferred by Empress Dowager Sixi over snuff bottles or other methods of intake. So they were just snuffing stuff, I guess, she, for, this, for the royalty uh, most of the time. But she was like, nah, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an empress of the people. <sighs> I'm going to smoke a fucking bong, kids. Well, I don't know if you guys have ever had snuff, but it can be kind of a messy affair. And I can see where an empress, especially wearing all that silk, would not want anything running out of her nose onto her delicate porcelain skin. True, Upon her silk. True. Wonderfulness. Definitely. I mean, I don't think she'd probably want to spill bong water either. No, but, but (laughs) you know, something tells me that she probably didn't hold the apparatus herself. Yeah. Well, and we found some pictures of of these bongs. Like there are some of these bongs that she used that so are actually cool. in uh, in a museum somewhere. Yeah, I think um, that somebody should like redo these yeah. and like sell them because yeah. they're cool. Yeah, they look like basically a flask with yeah. uh, on the top of it. One side has what your where your bowl would be, and the other ha- side has a long metal tube that's bent up to a mouthpiece. Uh huh. Again, to present itself to mm-hmm. you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they look very cool. They're yeah. very well made. Yeah, you we should post tell. those. Yeah. Yeah. Um, according to the Imperial Household Department, she was buried with at least three water pipes. Yeah. Some of her collections can be seen in the Palace Museum. Right. Uh, another fun fact: she Hello? was Grand Empress. She was the Grand Empress to name Puyi or Yaoji, as he was later known, who was the last emperor of China. Yeah. And just a quick little blip blip about this. Um, back in China in those days, when you every time you were made a different distinction or elevated, mm-hmm. you were given a different name. Yeah. So that's why she has a different name as the Grand Empress. So she's known forever as this Empress, Emperor, uh, Empress Dowager. And then she becomes the Grand Empress for a short period of time, like just before her death. And she's given a different name. And she names this kid who that movie that we've all seen, The Last Emperor of China, mm-hmm. that's who he is. So I have not seen that movie. So this is kind of interesting because this is a turning point in Chinese, in Chinese history. But, and they still have all of her stuff in this museum, which is incredible because her tomb and everything were looted and her body was tossed asunder and her jewels oh, wow. were stolen. But something happened and they got her back and they reburied her and blah, 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 blah. But it very interesting stuff. This wow. whole history about the bong, like when you were just diving, we're just diving into the history of the bong, all this other stuff came up. It was so cool. Yeah. The tree branches that go off the, go off the path. They'll lead you all over the place. Yeah. God love the internet. Yep. <laughs> Yay. Google. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
so much fun. Okay, so now we're going to fast forward, okay? Everything now in this cannabis nation is illegal, right? And so it goes, paraphernalia is made illegal in the war on drugs. Of course. Yep, but of course, people will find a way to imbibe whatever, however, whenever they can. And just because something, a commodity or something, and it, and the way that you do it or its conveyances are made illegal doesn't make the demand for said markets go away. No, no, no. It just sends them underground. Yeah. Just sends them underground. So, welcome to the subculture of glass bongs and pipes right in yeah the, right okay so what happens is everything is made illegal you know he's like blah 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 so this this guy <laughs> this guy bob snodgrass is credited with being the father of pipe glass blowing as we know it today he started with small pipes and he would just go around like he wasn't following the dead yet or anything. And that he wasn't a part of that yet. He was just doing his own thing, traveling around, blowing this glass, right? Spoilers. Glass pipes, All right? right. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, and would just set up shop like in his little, you know, van again or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, and just do his thing. And right? at this time, you know, pipe blowing like so for since cannabis had been made illegal in the United States, uh, as its popularity started to come back up through, uh, you know, underground countercultures, stuff like that, it was almost exclusively smoked in, uh, you know, marijuana cigarette form or joints. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mainly <clears throat> because that was the most discreet way to do it. Uh, there weren't, I mean, other than smoking pipe tobacco, you weren't really using pipes for much anything else right. at that time, so it wasn't commonplace. And then as we start to get into this culture of starting to use pipes, um, for uh, smoking cannabis in the modern world, they were very utilitarian. Oh yeah, extremely I basic. Yeah. yeah, I mean even <laughs> pre prototype. Yeah, you know, the prototype had a lot of thought going into it. It really did. Yeah, smart, well made device. No, you're right. Rudimentary. Yeah, like very wood. basic. Yeah. Um, so as the glass blowing came up, that you know there were people blowing glass pipes. It, he wasn't the first person to do it. But he was the first person to put artistry in. Right. And bump it up to the next level. Like, for example, he was the first to use uh, first to fume glass or infuse it with silver and then later on gold, which he said happened by accident, which I thought was kind of cool. He was trying to put a dragon eye in silver, like on a pipe and it. But it got the silver got mixed in with the glass blowing, and that it's called fuming. That, yeah, well, basically that's what how happens. It yeah, fuming is where uh, at, you know you have your flame going onto the glass. At the very base of the flame, you put a little bit of silver in there, mm-hmm. and it will you know spread across the gl- glass and give it this almost iridescent sheen. Yeah, which and changes color. The color changing. Yeah, as you smoke through it, like as exactly. you smoke it, it, it change. It starts to change color. It's really cool. Yeah, so, as it becomes, a, you know, you get that opaque background yeah. of the of the uh you know resin and then you will start to see that fuming a lot more and so then the color, the color changing yep it's yeah. it's really cool so he traveled around with his wares like i said and then but he did eventually run into the grateful dead and it's traveling subculture i mean you know that I, for those of you who didn't see it it was something else. I mean, I never really went to a show, but I could see the peripheral. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. and, you could, and it was definitely its own town. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, seriously, it had everything you needed in that town. There yeah. was something, somebody who knew what to do, right? Or where to get it or how or get it. Totally. Yeah. So, um, so he's going around with the dead and he's having his, you know, everybody's having the time. And then he started teaching others, like started, you know, people started hanging around him and yeah, they saw what he was doing. Yeah. They were like, holy shit. Yeah. We never even imagined that a pipe could look this fucking cool. Right. You know, that you're doing all this shit and he's getting, you know, he's getting a following because he's traveling yeah. around selling these rad ass pieces yeah. at dead shows, which I mean. The perfect audience for it, of course. I know. I mean, see, kismet. I mean, yeah. you know, seriously, that the, the harmonic conversions that came together. Yeah, so naturally he gained followers, started, yeah, yeah started teaching, right? And it was funny, uh, uh, Nick and I were watching this this um, video about bongs, and it's kind of funny that they have pictures of these guys, like, actually, you know, in the moment, back in the day, yeah. which is really cool. Like, people... Just look, watching him, you mm-hmm. know, and just hanging out. And he would go in this trailer. He had this travel thing that he could blow glass like anywhere. So he moves all of this stuff to one of. So they're looking for a place to winter, okay? And he was always chasing the spring. And anyway, so they were one of the guys. He wanted to go one place, and the guy said, "Well, let's go to Eugene instead." And he was like, "Why Eugene?" And he said, "Well, because the weed's better, man." And he goes, "Eugene's <laughs> it, right?" Yep. <laughs> so funny <laughs> yeah you know what you go where the weeds go yeah, right? yeah 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 and then other su- students soon followed once they stopped traveling around so much i mean still they would do shows but once they kind of had a hub you know mm. other people started coming right yeah people Fame. started traveling all over yeah and one of those people was cameron tower now who is cameron tower he is none other than the inventor of the bubbler pipe that that mm. pipe bong combo thing, right? Like as far as glass goes, as far know, as glass, a, a single piece, yeah, uh, uh, handheld, yeah, bubbler, integral, right? Yeah. Okay, yes. In the early nineteen uh, nineties, Tower put two great things together: a bong and a pipe to create a very great thing, which is a bubbler water pipe. Thank you, mm. I love them. Apparently, this guy was educated in traditional glass blowing. Okay, he went to school for it and everything. Mm. And then he just he went to seek out a Snodgrass scene in 1993. He's like, you know, he was like, "What am I going to do?" Da, 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 da. I'm, I've heard about this deal. I'm going to go check it out. Right. So he brought with him different techniques and a much bigger torch. So that was kind of a breakthrough in yeah. this development too. Is he was like, I, I don't know the terms for the names of these torches, but like one's like a, a candle, right? And then the next one you see, it's like they were talking about how they were they were afraid they were going to burn the trailer down. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, my God. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that was the interesting part is that all these guys that were kind of running in the scene were all pretty much self-taught, yeah. like. Uh, just started doing it, um, caught on, knew somebody with a torch, started getting into it. Um, so it's cool to have somebody come in with, you know, um, traditional techniques, you know, and traditional experience. Yeah. And so they kind of all were doing this thing and exchanging ideas together. And so as the story goes, Snodgrass was uh, 
attempting to create a bubbler, but was unhappy with the bulk of creations. And it was usually a two piece that he was trying to be. Yeah. yeah. So tower steps up to the plate and knocks it out of the park by blowing a down stem in the pipe with just the glass pipe bowl itself. Right. So creating a one piece of glass water pipe, AKA bubbler. Mm -hmm. So I just thought that was so that was, that was like, of course, it's like one of those aha moments, you know? Yeah. Now, uh, fun fact, not fun factoid. And um, this is where I thought that um, one of the glass guys that we're, we're not talking about just yet, we'll talk about him in the future, um, actually started patenting some of his ideas. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these guys did not. And so here I would like to tell everybody a cautionary tale and not fun factoid. Cameron Tower, according to a 2017 article we found in The Stranger, which is a local Seattle zine, was in jeopardy of losing his home in White Center, which is a southern suburb of Seattle. So what he used to get $35 uh, a pipe for, he, he was saying, uh, shops were selling for 15 You know, that's when like the Chinese cheap glass mm. market started flood, flooding in totally. because he didn't patent his invention. He can't get a cut, right? He could If he had patent, he could get a cut, right? Okay, but you did. Anyway, so he started blowing in the high-end soft glass pipe blowing world. I mean, even he he actually fully got out of paraphernalia blowing altogether. I right. think for a while he was uh, just you know working with a local glassware company and other stuff. He kind of got disillusioned and got out of it because right. of that, you know. Yeah, that would yeah, I mm-hmm. I can imagine. And he's watching people make you know literally millions of dollars off mm-hmm. of his inventions, if not more than that. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, as of 2017, he had started blowing uh, bubblers again and renting his place as an Airbnb. And let's hope he made it. Yep. Okay. So, guys, I'm just I'm telling you this because you can go and look and seek out Cameron Tower and, you know, maybe buy some glass from him because yeah. the, the man is still doing it. So yeah. as of 2017. Yep. Right. Right out of Seattle. Right. So go team. Yeah. Glass pipe blowers traveled with the dead, selling their pipes along the way, which freed them from the retail store environment that would have been hard to break into, right? Yeah. So this also created a space for them to share ideas and knowledge, and that grew the culture and developed it into an art form as well, which, again, we will talk about in in, in the future because it's some amazing stuff that this was the leaping off point, which I think is funny how... Can we better smoke cannabis? Like yeah. led to this whole other thing, right? Yeah, and that also that these this doesn't need to just be a tool, right? You know, this can be beautiful. This can be yeah. interesting. Yeah, this yeah. can be engaging. Oh, this can be something that we all gather around and, and pass go, and, and go. <gasps> yeah, well, yeah, and we get mm-hmm. to experience. It's yeah. like you needed to experience art. Okay, I totally agree. Um, now, okay, so the death of Jerry Garcia almost led to the demise of the dead subculture. Okay, however, there was the band Fish. <laughs> <laughs> Next <laughs> they, jam band is and they made, 
and they right they fished for the the dead subculture and they got it and it was great and there was they were there to take that mantle and then lead the new generation of loyal traveling followers of a band Mm -hmm. you know and the glass blowers came in tow with that like so it just you know progressed and i just think that that's wonderful you know yeah, no, it was really cool. I mean, it, it's uh, you know, it, most of the time we find, you know, when we talk about art, we find it in galleries and mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, places that are meant specifically for it. But all these, uh, you know, from uh, glass art for like pipes and bongs, functional glass art, all the way to graffiti and all these art forms that are born from counterculture, That's you know, right. come up in completely different ways and are expressed and shared in a much more free and wide fashion, which so like throughout the nineties, glass pipe blowing exploded yeah. from that. You it know, sure did. Boy, yeah. didn't it? <laughs> Cause these really cool pieces and these techniques weren't being hold, held under lock and key or mm-hmm. put in galleries with massive price tags. Right. They were being shared with the people on, you know, the, the ground, ground level. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. So the scene developed from a small group of glass blowers traveling the tour circuits to a fully fleshed out retail industry with wholesale distribution and <laughs> worldwide shipping. It exploded. You know, the American dream capitalization kind of got its teeth into it. But it was it was great because it, it yeah. once again spread from this tiny counterculture to making it so that people could have this stuff in their homes anywhere you were in the nation. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Mm-hmm. Oh, you gotta love the computer. <laughs> yeah, but that industry took a serious blow in two thousand three with Operation Pipe Dreams. Mm-hmm. Operation Pipe Dreams was an American nationwide investigation in two thousand three targeting businesses selling drug paraphernalia, mostly marijuana pipes and bongs, under a little-used statute. Mm -hmm. Due to the reluctance of state law enforcement agencies to contribute resources to the operation, most cases were filed in Iowa and Pennsylvania, taking advantage of the statute's prohibition on the use of mails or any other facility of interstate commerce to transport drug paraphernalia. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's right. You could not ship any of this stuff to Iowa or Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. So that was... And they were taking it very seriously. Very there. seriously. Now, here's a little fun factoid about Pennsylvania, okay? This is the home of the U.S. Attorney Mary Beth Buchanan, who Attorney General Ashcroft placed in charge of the task force of Operation Pipe Dreams, Okay. So her claim to fame, how did she get into that position? Her claim to fame came on 9-11 when she was the acting Pennsylvania district attorney for the district um, of the district that the plane uh, that was down by those passengers on that horrible day. Remember, they purposely mm-hmm. crashed the plane. That was her district that the plane crashed in. Oh, All wow. right. Okay. She, but... So after that, she was the first woman and the youngest district attorney from Pennsylvania to be made a U.S. attorney. All right. Now, in 2004, after the success, right, of, quote, unquote, of Operation Pipe Dreams, she was made the director of the executive office for the United States attorneys. So all the U.S. Fed attorneys, that's was there. She was the director of them. Wow. Okay. 
So I just thought we'd throw that in there because I just thought that that was just so ironic, right? Yeah, that wild. This the Operation woman, Pipe Dreams was what got her there, you know? That 9-11 got her there, right? Yeah. And then, that got, again, and Pennsylvania is one of the states that becomes really important in this story. Yeah. So, all right, so fast forward. Hundreds of businesses to the operation. and Okay, here we go. So hundreds of businesses and homes were raided as a result of Operation Pipe Dreams. Fifty-five people were named an indictment, excuse me, in indictments and charged with trafficking of illegal drug paraphernalia. Okay? Wow. So pretty big. Fifty-four of the 55 individuals were charged. Most, if not all, bargained with plea deals. Most of them were sentenced to fines, home detentions, and mm-hmm. assets seized. And when we say assets seized, it was sad. These people yeah. had been, yeah, these people had been living pretty well and, you know, paying their taxes and thinking they were all good. And Yeah, you, I mean, you know, it, you know they, uh, it was a part of it that, you know, they can seize the assets gained by the illegal business mm-hmm. and, they if they can prove that your home, your yep. car, everything, 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 everything you own was yep. paid for, then they can take it all. They can take and it they all. Did and they did and, <laughs> but ironically and and again, not a fun factoid. There's a lot of them in this one. I'm There's a, none yeah, of them fun. I don't think we've said fun factoid <laughs> yet. <laughs> yeah. It's all been it's a not, not so fun, fun, right? Or a fucked fact. <laughs> it's a fucked fact. I'm. That's the new one. We're mm. doing fucked fact. Okay. Fuck fact, ironically, fuck fact, uh, factoid. Tommy Chung was sentenced when on September eleventh, two thousand three. Isn't that ironic? Yeah. Right. That uh, hence why I told you about Mary Beth Buchanan here in Pennsylvania. This is crazy. All right. So was sentenced in 9-11, 2003 to nine months in a federal prison. A fine of $20,000, forfeiture of $103 in assets, so Tommy's assets weren't entirely from the, thank God for him, right? Mm -hmm. And a year of probation. Now, he was the only one of the defendants that was sentenced to prison, even though he had no priors on his record. You know why. Uh Uh-huh. So Chong was charged for his part in financing and promoting Chong Glassworks slash Nice Dreams. So you can see that they've made the Operation Pipe Dreams. Boy, I wonder where they got that inspiration. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, yeah. Chong's Glassworks, Nice Dreams, California-based companies started by his son, Paris. Okay, so not even by him, but, you know, Mm -hmm. you used your last name, of course. Um Unlike most shops selling bongs, Nice Dream specialized in selling high-end bongs as collectible works of art. The Chong Glass Works employed 25 gas blower, excuse me, gas blowers, <laughs> <laughs> glass blowers who were paid an hourly wage of $30, okay? Equivalent to $44 in 2021. That's what it would be equivalent today. And to produce a hundred pipes a day. That's all you had to, I mean, that sounds like it does. It sounds like a lot of pipes. Okay. That you had to produce in a day, but if you're getting $44 an hour, I don't know. I'm thinking I can find a way to do that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, and from talking to glass blowers, especially if you're making like, you know, for a situation like this, where it's a big company that's selling, you know, uh, a large portion, you know, a large amount, 
um, you're generally making a lot of the same pipe. So once you, you know, from what I've heard, once you kind of get into the zone. Uh, the zone of making a certain type of pipe, you can really whip it out, whip them out pretty yeah. quickly. I mean, depending on how intricate, of course, you know, if it's really intricate, no matter how good you are, it's still going to take some time. Sure, but, sure. But his company wasn't the only one that paid uh, well that was shut down by Operation Pipe Dreams. No, not by a long shot. No. Other companies ensnared in this operation included 101 North and Jerome ba- uh, is it Jerome Barber? I think so. Barber, Barber Designs. Designs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which not only paid well, but provided their employees with medical, retirement, paid vacation benefits as well. Yeah. And when I tell you these guys were living high on the hog, they were living high on the hog and feeling really good about themselves because they were providing jobs for these people, benefits for these people, paying their taxes. And they were like one of them, uh, the, the guy who owned 101 North, um, <laughs> he was like, I'm setting up for an early retirement. Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, you know, a lot of these guys, a lot of these glass blowers, especially the ones that, you know, they were focusing on making pipes and bongs. They didn't have a way to mass market their products. They didn't have, you know, they were people that just loved their craft and were doing mm-hmm. it and scraping by. So these guys that were able to create these companies where you get an hourly wage, guaranteed work, yeah. benefits, yeah. Uh, the retirement, you know, like all of a sudden they have a future yeah it's a beautiful thing that was created for these people yeah and they had these websites that you could order and that's Mm -hmm. what yep Mm -hmm. but nice dreams had a policy in place for refusing to sell bongs to states where the statute was being enforced that's the statute we're talking about about mailing uh pipes and or bongs drug paraphernalia that kind of stuff correct um so they were covering their bases they're saying we're not gonna touch states where you know that thing stuff's being enforced we're going to stay mm-hmm. above board that's right as much as possible pennsylvania and iowa no mm-hmm. thank you yeah so there was a couple other of them too but pennsylvania and iowa were yeah, like, yeah more the main two hubs yeah. that's where they really focused yes um so federal agents engaged in uh operation pipe dreams disguised themselves as head shop owners and pressured paris chong to sell them his pipes and delivered them through the mail to a fictitious shop in Pittsburgh suburb, in the Pittsburgh suburb of Beaver Fall, Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um, so they were just trying to get him to, you know, fall into the trap. Right. Um, and send his stuff there. But he persistently refused. It was a hard-line rule. Right. And he wasn't willing to risk his business, you know, for just, you know. Or, fill in one shop. Right, or his dad's name. Or, or his dad's name. You yeah. know, this is big, big potatoes here, yeah. you know. Um, so when Paris persistently refused, agents went to the place of business in person and ordered a massive quantity of out of stock merchandise. Mm -hmm. Uh, the merchandise was then crafted, but not picked up and sat idle in the warehouse where federal agents again, pressured Paris to ship it. So they go there and they're like, all right, uh, we'll just pick it up from you. We're going to, uh, order all this stuff. Um, oh, but it's out of stock. So you're going to have to make it. Okay. Well, we can't stay here long enough. Yeah. So we're going to go home and then just mail it to us. We already paid for it. Yeah. Just, you know, just, just ship it. It's okay. It's already paid for. We're not exchanging no, money. Come on. You know, it's, it's already, gonna be fine. we bought it here. You're just it's shipping fine. to us as a favor. Thank you know, you. we already bought it. Yep. Exactly. We gave you the money. Um, and once again, yeah. Paris said no fucking way. Right. I'm not shipping to these States. That is a hard rule. Right. You know, the guy was smart. The guy was smart. He covered his bases, but so this no is matter crazy. how smart, so crazy. to get the merchandise out of his warehouse, DEA agents became employees yeah. yes. of 
nice dreams themselves. Yes. They posed as uh, just, you know, warehouse attend, you know, warehouse workers. workers. Yep. Um, and then shipped, shipped the it. drugs themselves. Yeah. Or shipped the, the bongs and paraphernalia themselves. Yes. So they As could, employees. As employees. So they couldn't get him to do it. They literally infiltrated and did yeah. the crime themselves. Selves. And it's not called entrapment. I don't understand how this it, is. Done. It's absolutely insane. Well, this is how you do it. Tell him, Nick. Well, I mean, in a in a plea bargain. Ah, that's how you do exactly. it. Exactly. Uh, Chong agreed to plead guilty to one count of conspiracy to dr- distribute drug paraphernalia in exchange for non-prosecution of his wife, Shelby, uh-huh. and his son, Paris. Isn't that horrible? Yeah. So he, that... he fell on the sword to save his wife and son. Is that not the most freaking evil empire yeah. shit that you can I they mean, did they, they completely entrapped him he yeah. tra- he was doing everything he could right and they uh freaking committed the crimes themselves. themselves in his name right and then the only way out of it was for chong to agree to a plea de- deal so that his son and his wife didn't get in trouble for right it. absolutely Insane. So you don't even go to court. So you don't even see a trial. It's a plea deal. Yeah, exactly. We're done. Because that's the best you got. That's what we got. At least that's what they think. The American justice system is broken. But either way, federal prosecution admitted to being harsher on Chong in retaliation, citing Chong's movies as trivializing law enforcement efforts to combat drug trafficking and use. Can you believe this? They were mad at him because of Cheech and Chong movies. For his art. For his art. What does that... Again, evil empire, people. And honestly, like, like, we're talking about the justice system. They... Admitted to being harsher because yeah. of the movies that he made. Right, which that you is can't... that is not how it works. <laughs> You're not. A, that's no. not how it's supposed to work at all. No. Equal punishment for like yeah. equal and fair treatment. Not even close. That's wild. Not even close. And the other guys too. And you know, when you see, when you hear them in the interviews about this, um, some of the other guys, you know, the big guys, Jerome, and then the 101 North guy, um, they were happy to get out like they said it sucked you know people were saying oh they can't do this man and it's like yeah they are and they did but they were happy yeah they were happy not to spend any time in jail did it suck that they lost everything Everything. oh yeah yeah but they were all very thankful that they didn't have to go to jail but tommy chung did and kind of funny too they were gonna let him off the hook you know, um, he said some funny stuff. Yeah, he's. <laughs> they were gonna give him some time, but he didn't want to play nice, you know. Mm-hmm. And he was, he kind of lambasted them and said some things like, "What was the thing that got him in real trouble?" Oh yeah, something about uh, the weapons of mass destruction. The only weapons of mass destruction that they found were my bongs or something like this. And I was like, oh, Tommy, too soon, Betty, yeah. too soon. Anyway, so um, now this is a fun factoid. This is not a, a fucked factoid. Okay, the first fun one. Okay, this fuck, is the fuck, first fuck, one. Fun. Okay, one of Tommy Chung's former cellmates was Jordan Belfort, who happens oh. to be the real Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, that is so funny. Okay, the actual guy. So 
Chong has is said to have inspired Jordan to write the book, which was later made into the famous movie directed by none other than Martin Scorsese, That's for wild. God's sakes. That's okay. Wild. That is a fun fact. So, yeah. So apparently, like, you know, when you get to hang out, like, in the common area, your cell group gets to hang out in the common area, mm. right, or whatever. Uh, Chong would go and try to, like, write his book. And I guess Jordan was kind of what he, this guy is brilliant chong says by the way he can multitask like none other oh i'm sure so anyway he would like go and copy him he's like what are you doing he's like i'm writing my memoirs or writing my you know book and he's like hey maybe i should do that and he's, so he would go with him every day and the two of them would sit there and, and write yeah, their stories like, yeah i thought that was kind of cool okay but what wasn't cool was that um the american people yeah paid some money for this operation pipe dreams yeah it was over 12 million dollars <laughs> and that wow. included the resources of 2,000 law enforcement officers, by the way. Okay? $12 million, $12 million. for prosecuting 54 people. <laughs> Do the math. My God. I, it's awful. It's awful. But the industry survived and thrived. And even through being, even though being pushed back underground... For nearly a decade following Operation Pipe Dreams, the same bongs and pipes being sold previously were now being sold exclusively as tobacco pipes and water pipes, mm. despite them being exactly the same. You make the word illegal <laughs> and yep. you change the word you yep. use. Yeah, yeah. In many areas, and this is true, they would kick you out of a smoke shop for even saying the word bong. Yeah. Like, you're a fed. Get out! Get, yeah. Go! Yeah. No, I mean, this is the same time period where, uh, in, you know, people that were running and working in, in medical dispensaries were terrified daily that the DEA might show oh, up and just raid huh? them and take everything, yeah. you know? Same thing was happening uh, uh, in in uh, smoke shops, you know? Yeah. If it was tipped off, if the DEA got tipped off that they were selling drug paraphernalia, yeah, yeah. you know, they'd come in full force. It's take true. Take your doors down, smash your shit, beat you up. No, and you it know. wasn't easy to get paraphernalia. There was like maybe, you know, one shop in mm -hmm. like a 50 mile radius or a 100 mile radius if you were that lucky. Yeah. You know, I remember when growing up outside of Chicago, we, I don't even, I couldn't even tell you where the head shop was. Yeah. It wasn't until I got to Bellingham that there was like one downtown on the corner. And I yeah. was like, well, welcome to the West Coast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, by the time, you know, we're talking early 2000s here, you know, they they were a bit more uh, common then, you know, you had your you had your smoke shops that were, that dotted the landscape pretty regularly, but mm -hmm. even then, you know, uh, for a while there, it was very hard to find a bong or a pipe in those head shops, and, you know? And like we said, you couldn't say mm -mm. bong, you had to no. say water pipe, exactly. you know? And there are still many areas where they can't be sold as marijuana for uh, paraphernalia to this day okay mm -hmm. but with only 12 states with no form of marijuana legalization it's becoming more and more acceptable fingers and crossed for 11 soon now that being said um so yeah both federal and state laws identify various factors that law enforcement officials must use to distinguish between a lawful physical object yeah, uh, for example, like a scale or a spoon, <laughs> and unlawful drug paraphernalia, mm. uh, which could be a scale or a spoon. <laughs> <laughs> 
In states that have legalized marijuana for recreational use, lawmakers have eliminated certain objects from this list, such uh-huh. as bongs or roach clips. <laughs> However, even if a state no longer outlaws this, these items, it is important to be aware that federal law still considers them to be illegal drug paraphernalia Correct. and forbids their sale. A.K.A. do not bring mm-hmm. it on the plane. According to the National Drug Intelligence Center, yes, drug paraphernalia is federally illegal. Do not ship it in the mail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know they do. I know. Uh, the drug paraphernalia statute, uh, U.S. Code Title 21, Section 863, makes it, quote, unlawful for any person to sell or offer for sale drug paraphernalia to use mails or any other facility of interstate commerce to transport drug paraphernalia or import or export drug paraphernalia. Spencer in Pennsylvania. So once again, I mean, it's much like legal marijuana. Um, it's It might be legal in the state that you're in, right. uh, but it is still federally, federally. illegal. That's and correct. should the winds change, uh, you know, it'd take a pretty hefty blow at this point, but should the winds change, those laws can be acted upon still. You know, I'm not, I don't want to fear monger. I don't want to uh, catastrophize by any means, because like I said, it's very, very unlikely that uh, any federal law against marijuana or marijuana paraphernalia specifically would be enforced uh, nowadays from a federal level. But I don't know. Never say never. That's what I'm, you know, okay. It's like slippery slope. It's Mm -hmm. like the banana peel of, oh my God, I just committed a what? Yeah. You know what I mean? So just remember that under federal law, the term drug paraphernalia means any equipment, product, or material of any kind, which is primarily intended or designed for use of manufacturing, compounding, converting, concealing, producing, processing, preparing, injecting, ingesting, inhaling, or otherwise introducing into the human body by a controlled substance. Okay, so anything you can think of, and that's why I wanted to point this out, what you just said, Nick. Yeah, they might not be so inclined, but depending on who you are, mm-hmm. they might. <laughs> yeah, these might be separate charges. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because when the guys were being um, indicted for one of the things that they were being indicted for and charged with, mm-hmm. it wasn't just the make; it was the intent to to manufacture, manufacturing, and then selling them. So they got yeah all three charges. Oh yeah, wasn't it like? Um... Uh, conspiracy intent, like conspiracy to manufacture, intent to manufacture, and then the manufacturing. It's like you can get in trouble separately (laughs) for thinking about, planning to, and then doing. Doing. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And that's why that's why I wanted to list all those up because, yeah, you could probably be charged with, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. what is this used for? Because remember, they won't even let us sell screens. Yeah, in this state. Yeah, I mean, well, depending on who your LCB agent is and how they uh, interpret the laws, yes. you know, uh, it's it is it is still wild, and uh, you know the the laws are still new; they're still fleshing them out. But right. I mean, it's it, it that is a pure testament to how difficult it truly is to define what is and what isn't drug paraphernalia. This is true. You know? Yeah, and this also brings me back to another point. Okay. And once again, know the laws of the land in the state you are in before you accidentally trip on the banana peel of incarceration. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's so easy to slip on that, really. You yeah. Know? So, you know, like, 
you know, how many times I've, I've been watching some of these, you know, uh, podcasts and different things. And there's places where, you know, these, this guy's smoking a bong in his car and he gets pulled over and they let him go, you know, and it's just like, I don't live in that state. No. You know? <laughs> so if you live in that state, realize that the rest of this, you know what I'm saying? I'm just yeah. saying, you know, cause you get used to doing a thing and you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that even probably is all the way down to like you living in this specific, you know, township, yeah. you know? Yeah. Where you, you, I mean, you, you hear stories all the time of, you know, people from small towns that, you know, uh, somebody gets pulled over from for driving drunk or something and the, the cop will, you know, escort them home. Home. Yeah. You know, it's like, that's not, I've never, I've never lived anywhere like that, you know. Uh, yeah. Freaking. But, yeah. you know, yeah. I know mean. Know the law, lay of the land. Mm-hmm. People know the lay of the land. Yeah. So that's been the history of the bomb yeah it is and what an interesting one i mean there was so much more to it than we even got yeah. into um full of wild twists and turns and strange connections yeah um, but it is uh quite an interesting story and like susan said we're going to be talking about yeah. The future, future of paraphernalia do, do, on a future do, episode not do. necessarily the next one probably not the next one in fact um, right. But uh, we will get into it we, for sure. For sure. So now we thought we would share with you some stories of some of our favorite bong moments. Oh, my God. This is going to kill my mother. Nick, mm-hmm. go ahead. <laughs> um, well, uh, they, so there are so many of them. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I could tell you the story of when, uh, when I got caught with a bong and some weed and the cops... Uh, made us smash it on the pavement and then get down on our hands and knees and pick up the broken glass so we weren't littering. <laughs> you know, that's a shorty one. Um, oh, I could tell you about the myriad of different uh, devices and ways that we made bongs before uh-huh. we were even old enough to go into a head, head shop, shop and get a piece of glass, sure, you know. Sure, sure. Um, and, uh, you know, there was... I don't know. There's just so many, so many different options, but um, uh, one that uh, sticks out in my head is uh, I was at a party in my early 20s and I had just uh, fashioned myself a waterfall bong, um, which is kind of like a gravity bong. Uh, for those of you who aren't aware, it basically uses water. Yeah, it's so um, cool. To you know, it's a it's a, a bottle filled with water with a bowl on top, and uh-huh. the water uh, as the water leaves, it draws smoke into it's the bottle. Mm-hmm. Um, the cool part about it is it's a little bit slower. You get a real dense smoke, right. so you're gonna cough your ass off, but you also are going to get, get absolutely really blasted. <laughs> so I had fashioned this really cool uh, 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 waterfall out of a. Uh, a whiskey bottle. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had got got the glass drill bit, drilled some holes Ooh, in the bottom of it. Yeah. Um, so once again, brief way, uh, uh, the way the waterfall actually works is it's a bottle that has holes at the bottom. You plug up those holes, fill it with water. You put a bowl piece in the top, light your bowl, and then let the uh, and then open the holes so that the water spills out and it fills up with smoke. Ah. Um, but the water I actually falls out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the water. Yes, exactly. It's a waterfall. Oh, okay. Uh, it's it's 
absolutely it's a great device yes it um, sounds like it but i didn't uh and i even went full out and i put a down stem into this so as Ooh. the water was draining out it's still filtering through that water that's draining sure. out sure really cool piece uh was super stoked about it and at the party that i was at that it was getting christened because i just made it earlier that day oh and i was like God. i'm even gonna save smoking it for the first time to be at the party oh, it's gonna be a blast I'm sorry it was a mistake <laughs> i'm sorry it was a mistake I'm sorry. um so uh this is, was... a, this is a fact a fucked fact mm-hmm. there was a person at this party i was trying to woo <laughs> at the time <laughs> So it was like, I'm going to give her the first uh, oh, hit off. This no. is going to. A girl? Yeah. Oh, you're Hey, well, don't be sexist, <laughs> Susan. I'm a girl. I'm a bong breaker. Hey, yeah. But I mean, I know I know far more women that can take bigger bong hits than most men. I, I didn't know. mean that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm a drunk girl at a party. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Either way. <laughs> The problem with my waterfall, it was almost perfect, but the problem with it was that I didn't draw, uh, drill the holes directly at, at the bottom. There was about inch and a half, maybe two inches ah, above the bottom. Gotcha. So after a drain out, there'd still be a little bit of water left in the bottom. Um, so uh, I we let the water out, fills up with smoke. She pulls the bowl off and starts to you know inhale the uh, smoke in. But I'm guessing just because of the natural bottle shape, she starts tilting it upwards. Oh, no. Instead of just breathing, you don't have to do that. No, the smoke I will know. come to your lips. She ends up drinking the <laughs> bong water on accident, immediately puking and dropping my uh, waterfall into the sink we were standing over where it abruptly shatters. I didn't even get to use it once. <laughs> And I was trying to comfort her, but she was so embarrassed and did not talk to me for the rest of the night. Oh, God, that is such a fucked fact. Yep, yep, that was a, that was a fucked one for sure. It was so cool, too. I want to tell you people, I am not sexist or any other kind of ist. <laughs> but I know drunk women in parties. I've been one a couple times. I've even... Maybe I'm going to say you were 21 yet. <laughs> I had, I was just 21. Just 21. Yeah. Just okay. 21. I'm just getting the edge. I've been one of those. Yeah. No. Yeah. I know what I'm talking about. I know the creature. <laughs> Don't hate me. <laughs> I mean, you should at least done it once. I know. But that was so I mean, handing, sweet of handing you. it to anybody at a drunk, drunk, no, exactly. Party, you know, exactly. Gonna... You could turn into a drunk girl. Oh, totally. I've seen it. No. I've been there. <laughs> It happens regularly. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! Yay me! All right. So that was uh, Nick's, yeah, fucked factoid there. Uh, Funny. Um, Mine is something that you probably would definitely get arrested for now. I mean, you would have gotten arrested for it before, but now, like, without question. Right to jail. Oh, they would have put me in a federal pen and locked the key. Okay, so you're like, Susan, how is this relating to a bong? Well, I lived in Seattle by Airport Way. Excuse me, uh, Boeing Field, mm-hmm. which is um, an airport way kind of goes the back and length of airport, of Boeing Field. So sometimes when I was feeling low, my um, hang glider and uh, instructor and friend, 
mm-hmm. uh, and would we would do be like get in get in his car and I will tell you, we used to call this guy party in a can. Like when he would show up in his van, you'd have like ski, snowboard, hang gliding, climbing, Just you name anything. it, equipment. Yeah. You know, like what are we going to do today, boys? Yeah. You know, like, Where should I go? Right. I mean, really, really a great guy. Um, so I had um, a whippet uh, thing, which is a whippet canister, which you make whipped cream out of them and you put mm-hmm. the whippets in and that's the nitrous oxide. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's called, I call that hippie crack. <laughs> so we would take my bong and the van, <laughs> whatever it was like a Bronco or a van. I mean, like it was always something that could fit lots of equipment and for him to sleep in. Yeah. So I mean, like, um, like shaggy all grown up. Right. So we would take my bong and my whip it. Right. And I mm. get some nitrous oxide whip it can things and we'd take a bong hit. So one of us would drive and then the other one would take the bong hit. And this is back in the day where you like hold it for as long as you can. Okay. Mm. Like we still are in this, hold it as long as you can. So not only are we going to hold it, we're going to chase it with a whip it. Okay. Oh <laughs> Just kill as many brain cells as possible. Possible at one time. And then what we're going to do is we're going to time it for when the plane takes off. So, you know, whoever be driving, <laughs> you're timing this for your friend. Like, you know, you're kind of keeping place with the plane, keeping place with the plane. So when it takes off, that's when it all hits them. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. What year was this? What year? I will never period? divulge that information. What, I mean, it was pre 9 11, I'll tell you that. I'm guessing it was pre internet, too. Because this just sounds like something that you have no nothing to do. And then we would do fire drills, right? So we would take turns and doing the Jared switch. Oh, my God. And we would do that for, like, I shit you not, like, a half an hour, an <laughs> hour, and as long forth. as the whippets lasted. You'd be yeah. driving up and down. Oh, my God. So, shit, you definitely can't do anymore. No. <laughs> you couldn't do it then either, but you did. <laughs> you definitely did. Oh my God! I I, I just I, I had a customer that had a, a napkin drawn prototype drawn up of a bong that ha- you could uh, attach a whippet canister to the uh, to the carb of it. I'm on board. So you'd take a hit and then hit the whippet canister board. and blow the rest of the smoke out. And t- yeah, just ridiculous. I'm down. But it was the funniest thing because he was like, it was like he was trying to give me an elevator pitch. I'm like, I'm not the person. I'm not the person that's gonna make this for you. I sell weed out of a, out of a store, man. I don't know why you're bringing this your your cocktail napkin bong drawing to me, but I appreciate your uh, just absolute enthusiasm. Yeah, and, and imagination. Good for you. you. You could get arrested for that. Seriously, that's one count. yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh, well thanks for listening to Cannabis Nation, y'all. We hope this has helped shed light on your most burning questions and dankest <laughs> desires. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook yeah. at Cannabis Nation Podcast. This is Nick. And Susan. Ending, ending on, on a high note.